Hey, it's Sparkle. And Leslie, you're my dad listening. And hey, it's Brittany. Or for some reason, Joey, one of the hosts on this podcast and the only other person who hasn't switched over to Sparkle. After a decade, what can you do though, right? Anyway, hey, hey guys. I have been a part of Seacoast Church since I was 14 years old. I remember the very first service that I went to. The very first sermon I heard from Pastor Greg. I thought he was speaking directly to me. And on the way home, I was talking to my family. My mom said the exact same thing. She said, how in the world did they know that the Andersons needed to hear that exact message? And then the following week, the same thing happened. I remember my parents saying, this is a church full of sinners that are running after God. Right then and there, that's when Seacoast became our home church. And I can say, almost two decades later, it still is my home church. I love this place. Back in 1988, Pastor Greg started Seacoast as a place where Christians and seekers could unite over the very basics of Christianity and leave all the other stuff to very uh, fun discussions, <laughs> but certainly not something to divide over. And definitely today in 2022, Seacoast really is a mixed bunch. It has all sorts of different backgrounds and perspectives all coming together on the most important stuff. I feel like this pursuit, even back then in 88, is just as timely right now, if not more. So this episode you're about to hear talks about something kind of controversial, Halloween, and should Christians be messing around with it. Joey Savinson welcomes back Jack Coy, and we also have Cheryl Brown from our Long Point campus. And she's also the mom to one of my best friends in the whole world, Amanda Brown. All right, so here you go. Just because I don't believe or agree doesn't mean I can't learn from you. Why did you have to bring that up? <laughs> okay, that one I'm super embarrassed about. <laughs> Do you like me? Do I like you? Yeah. As, a, as an individual or as yeah, a podcast? Yeah, as a person. No, I like you. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. And I don't have any interest in appearing to be stronger than I am. I ain't bowed a Nebuchadnezzar statue. He gonna leave. You feel me? How do we love people who see the world differently than we do? What would it look like if we truly loved all of our neighbors? Could listening to their stories be the first step? This is Seacoast Church, and there's way more to talk about. Halloween, all about Halloween. I'll tell y'all real quick, Cheryl and Jack, give y'all a chance to introduce yourselves here in a second. But I was reflecting on my upbringing with Halloween. I grew up Catholic through the third grade. I don't know if y'all know, Catholics love Halloween. Man, we had huge festivals, such a highlight as a kid. My brother and I could pretty much dress up like anything we wanted. And I say that because that was the first adjustment that I remember in my childhood was my parents, when we left the Catholic church, we started going to a Pentecostal church where their views, at least the one that we, the church we were part of, were very much so anti-Halloween. I think the first step my parents made was no more scary stuff. If you want to dress up, you can dress up like a cowboy, football player, whatever, no more scary stuff. So I remember that clear. And then I'll never forget when they sat us down, they just said no more Halloween. And so from that point on, it was Hallelujah Nights and Harvest Fest. And listeners, I've already told Jack and Cheryl, both of their views will be respected highly. But I think this is funny and ironic little joke. I've always thought it was really funny how we as Christians have always been encouraged to be missional, to get out in our neighborhoods and to meet people. And the one night where our neighbors come to us... And we get to give them something. We say, nope, you come to the church if you want to get candy. (laughs) So Cheryl, I put out a message on our all staff, all message, looking for someone who would say I'm anti-Halloween. And I had one person reach out, say, hey, I'll do it for a last resort, but I don't want to put my name out there as the anti-Halloween person. And then someone pointed me in your direction. And it's been nice sitting here getting to know you a little bit. And I will say the people that recommended you, your daughter and Katie, yes, they described you a lot more of a fiery pistol than what I than what I'm getting right now. <laughs> Maybe it's because 
because you are at your house and not yes, so. Definitely more laid back at home and more blunt with the girls than I would be in, in this setting. Right. But still, I'm not changing my convictions either. So well, we'll take yeah. all your bluntness. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All your, and you've been you've been a part of Seacoast now, you said for nine years. Going eh? on nine years. All right, and Jack, a lot of people already know you, but you were in episode two with Shane Claiborne. So I'm actually going to Israel here in on on Tuesday. So I've been trying to throw getting them completely done before I leave. And so your response to my text was just so awesome, Jack. I said, hey, by any chance, I think I said, do you have any problem with Halloween? You're like, no, not at all. I was like, yes, now the next question, <laughs> can you do a talk this week? So I, I'd love to hear, Jack, we'll start with you. What did Halloween look like for you and your household when you had young children? Um, we, we treated it like probably like most suburban families treated Halloween. You know, our kids dressed up when the kids were young. We lived in Chicago. We lived in this neighborhood where Halloween was this unbelievable. I was told ahead of time, like coming my first Halloween, that you're going to get a lot of kids. So I, I think we got candy for 300 kids. We were out by about 645. Gracious. <laughs> It was like, I think we had 600 kids come that night. It was just kind of a cool thing in that neighborhood. I think I'd be anti-Halloween if I lived in that neighborhood. (laughs) Well, it was was kids going out and having a nice time in in a safe neighborhood. But I've never had any issue with the kids going out and doing that. I my parents didn't when I grew up, and and I you know my grandchildren I go out with them every Halloween now, and to me it's just fun. It's right like, now we'll get into this territory, but what was would you draw a line somewhere? Like if Jack, your son, said, "Hey, Dad, look at this costume that I want, and it's a a knife sticking through his head with with blood." I mean, is would you be like, "Ah, son, that's a little too much," or "Hey, it's Halloween, go all out"? I, I can't imagine a costume that would. That would bother me in that regard. Well, let me put it this way. If one of my children came to me and said, you know, Dad, I was talking to a friend, and, you know, they said this about it. What do you think? I I would not have said, ah, ignore it. I would have said, tell me what you think. The way I look at this is I don't see any issue with it. But some people do. And if you do, you should take that seriously. And if my ch- one of my children developed that kind of concern, the way I would look at it is, you know, the, I think one of the things that, that people who don't feel that Halloween should be celebrated by Christians feel is that they're, you know, you may be, you're making yourself vulnerable. You're entering into something that, that where there are dark forces that you can't control and you need to be wise about that. And my sense is that we all have different spiritual vulnerabilities. If that is a concern for you, maybe what that really reveals is that you've got a spiritual vulnerability that you need to be careful about. And if you're feeling vulnerable, then yes, you shouldn't, you, you should take that seriously. But I, I don't feel that. And I think, you know, again, there are a lot of biblical, conver- a lot of Paul's teaching that deals with that in some different contexts, not Halloween, but special days. But, you know, do you, do you treat foods differently? You know, all kinds of things like that. So, this might not come down to a right or wrong as much as it's a personal decision based on really good thought processes for each person. Yes, that's what I think. Well, Cheryl, how about you? Uh, we did not celebrate Halloween. There were a lot of things that after becoming more active in the church and more active reading my Bible, when I learned certain things, I guess it was conviction of how are you justifying this? And my take is a little bit different. I feel like we are to give good gifts to our children, and we are to train them up in the way that they should go. But we did not celebrate Halloween because of the history, and the history really bothered me. I I look at it like this. If there's a day set aside— for something that doesn't glorify God, we have 364 other days that we could do 
events and holidays and things with our children that don't give honor to this particular day. Right. So, so here's my, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly what you're referring to in terms of the history, Cheryl. I, I mean, I, there was a Celtic holiday that, that mm-hmm. a lot of people refer to. So here's the other deal. What was funny to me, Joey, about your thing about growing up in the Catholic Church and was big, is that it was a Catholic holiday. So one of the popes, 6th century AD, I think, decided that November 1st would be All Saints Day. So Halloween, the word Halloween comes from All Hallows' Eve, the, the church. The Jews did this in terms of having a harvest festival. Every agrarian society had harvest festivals. So God said, hey, like it's natural for you to want to celebrate having the harvest in, knowing you got food until the next round of crops comes out of the ground. But here's how I want you to celebrate a harvest festival. So Christians have also co-opted holidays over the years, and this was another example. And my guess is that probably had something to do with the Celtic holiday that he was trying to say, hey, here's, here's another alternative. You know, I just feel like the history is more complicated than... We simply trace all this back to a Celtic holiday from X thousand years ago. Right. But but you would say you could trace it back to that. Well, that that, that seems to be the origin. You know, I, are there are there any other similar thing? I don't know. But that's that. Well, the I don't mean to interrupt, but yeah. the holiday. I, I'm probably not pronouncing this word correctly. It's spelled S A M H A I N. The Celtic Druids. Um, it was their biggest holiday of the year. It was a time to when they believed there was a thinner line between the other realm and the living world, and that the spirits could actually transfer into our realm. So they lit bonfires, and they sent the children um, door-to-door to collect soul cakes. The soul cakes were kind of the first, I guess, tradition of trick-or-treat. So if you gave the children a soul cake, then they would pray for your dead relatives. If not, they would play tricks on you. So they celebrated the season ushering in the longer, darker nights. Again, they told fortunes, they built bonfires, held seances, all of this in celebration of what was to come. The problem I have with that is, again, we have 364 other days that we could do something, still give good gifts to our children, still load them up with candy, but not participate in this particular part of history. And let me, let me ask this, and so <clears throat> it's it's interesting, and I think we can all chuckle about this. I, I don't want you to feel teamed up on, so teamed up against. So I'm trying to uh, stay impartial. But I, I do think of this question, this this example, when you say there's one day in which this stuff happens. So let's, let's take the 364 days and focus in on that. I think about Super Bowl Sunday, for instance. So I'm a big football fan. I love watching the Super Bowl. Uh, nobody's invited to my house if Green Bay's in it because I just want to watch the Green Bay Packers and not talk to anybody. But I could also say that there is a lot of stuff going on on Super Bowl Sunday I would not be happy about, such as the number of people that are going to lose hundreds of thousands of dollars and put their family in debt by by the the gambling, people that drive home drunk, or just you know tons of stuff that don't really complement what I would say are good faith principles, but football's fun, you know, and there's a, there's a lot of good out of it. So I think that's where I would come from. And I was telling you this before we started the conversation and I'll just go ahead and ask you, Cheryl, how do you feel about my posture as far as the history stuff that you guys have talked about? I actually have not done really any research. I've, I've heard what other people say, but for me, my kids are 16, 14, 12, 10. So we've kind of gone through the Halloween thing and I'm like, well, okay, all that history stuff, 
that's fine. I don't really care. We're just going to go out and, and get candy and dress up and have fun. That's what the Svensons do on Halloween. It's not going to hurt my feelings when you hear someone say that. Or you Would you think that's kind of a lazy attitude to have? No, not at all. My grandchildren celebrate Halloween, and we still hand out candy in our neighborhood because um, we're supposed to be loving and we're supposed to be kind. For me, it's a personal conviction. Um, I come from a family that messed with the occult. Um, Ouija boards, an aunt that believed she was a witch. Who believed she was a witch, you said? An aunt, a great aunt. Homes that were haunted. And if you've ever been around that, there's real devils and there's real good. I mean, it is a a world of good and evil. And I think the more that you've been a witness, especially as a small child, to the things that are evil, you do probably tend to shy away from, you know, anything that could possibly resemble that. I guess it goes back to the scripture is, for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And what that looks like for Cheryl is not celebrating Halloween or giving the devil any foothold that would be disrespectful to God. Right. But, and and just for, to clarify though, if someone did ask for your opinion on like a, a universal stance for Christians and they just asked your opinion, your answer would be, I, I'd probably say we should go without, everybody should. But well, you're just not pushing that on people. No, I wouldn't say everybody should do what Cheryl does. Not at all. Okay. Everybody's own personal decision. And I think it's one of the gray areas in Christianity where different people do different things. We all do. And we all do things that are sin and fall short. But it's what God brings. If you feel convicted, then I say, do your research. You know, look into it. If you're still comfortable doing it, then do it. That's your life. That's—and God still loves you. There's no condemnation. Me, personally, I can't because I have seen people that have— dealt with the occult. You know, and when it's in a family and they they're not Christian, it's harder to not look at where that can go. And so, yeah, I do draw a line yeah. in the sand. Now, what you you mentioned giving the devil a foothold, what would that look like in regards to Halloween? I think it's celebrating something that we don't need to celebrate. I think it's bringing glory to something that when it started, it was evil. And when you bring something in, no matter how you paint it or dress it up or put a bow on it, it still is what it is. It's not going to change what it is. Jack, how do you feel about my attitude of whatever happened in history is history? Let my kids dress up like fairies and football players and let's go get some. Yeah. How, how is that for a sexist remark? I've got two girls and boys. That's what I thought of, fairies and football players. But hey, we're just going to go trick-or-treat and have fun. I guess I, I, I tend to tilt more of that way myself from the point of view that none of my children wanted to go out on Halloween because they were had any Celtic holidays in mind. Um, they, they was, uh, you mean I can walk to a door and ask adults for candy and they'll give it to <laughs> and me? And they'll give it to me. And you'll let me keep it? <laughs> Or, you know, I just think about my daughter who, you know, wanted to be a princess every year. And this one year, maybe it was, it was um, uh, Cinderella. I think that's the one with the 19th century ball gown and the white gloves that kind of go up to your elbow or whatever. And just her chubby little arms, she's trying to make sure that her, <laughs> like, that was just really, that was just the height of elegance for her. And it was very important that her sleeves stay up. And I, I don't relate that to evil. You know, and at the same time, see, I agree with you, Cheryl, that, you know, it's it's when Paul in, in, in 1 Corinthians 8 talks about eating meat with because everything that you bought in the meat market had been in one way or another sacrificed to an idol. And this kind of thing is, there's no reality to that, really. But if somebody questions you about it, you need to take that seriously because people do associate that with idols. And somebody who's coming out of that environment, you know, that's going to be an important distinction for them. And 
you ought to respect that. And by implication, it's legitimate for them to say, that's just something I don't want to have any part of. He says, so about eating food sacrificed to idols. We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world. There's no God but one. And and he kind of goes on and says, then in verse 7, but not everyone knows this. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat such food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to an idol. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. And so by his thing, so and you shouldn't defile your conscience. It would it be a big jump though to go from food, which we all need to live. And Cheryl's basically saying, look, I, I disagree with a holiday that I mean, it seems as if we are lauding darkness and death and fear. I and, just and well, again, and this is something we probably you know that people probably have different views on, I know. I just think any connection between what we celebrate and that Celtic holiday is so tenuous, it's not meaningful. In fact, I would argue that, if anything, we're more celebrating the Catholic holiday than we are the Celtic one. Well, the part that I read, I did a lot of research on it. You're right, the way that we celebrate it as Christians isn't the way that it was celebrated back then, but— you, you mean Hallelujah Night and Harvest Fest when you say I'm talking <laughs> Halloween. I am talking totally about Halloween. But what you do need to know is the witches and warlocks are still celebrating this, still having seances, and they're still doing bonfires, and they think it's great that all of us have joined them. They're still very much practicing this. This isn't just history. History is how it started, but it is still very much practiced today. There are people that believe beyond a shadow of a doubt they are witches and warlocks. So would that boil down then to my family, for instance, I'll just use mine as an example, it's a matter of principle or is there real potential for negative consequences for the Svensson family to go trick-or-treating and celebrating Halloween? It's not just principle. I think it's scripture as well. 1 Timothy 4.7 says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Snap, Jack. That's a good one. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> no, that's a good one. That's a good one. Who's the reference to that again? First Timothy 4.7. You know, I would argue that that says the opposite of what you say, Cheryl. Chapter 4 begins, you know, a lot of times some are going to be in the faith, they're going to follow deceiving spirits, things taught by demons. Then he says, such teachings come through people whose consciences have been seared. He says, they forbid people to marry, order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Everything God created is good. Nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God in prayer. So he's kind of saying, it's God the people— Halloween. You're well, saying God made Halloween. Well, I mean, what I'm saying is <laughs> that it's people who say the key to righteousness is don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, that he's talking about there. Not people whose daughters want to be princesses on Halloween. Yeah. You know, all that within the context of, I agree with your fundamental premise too about, like, if it is sin for you, then it is sin for you, <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, it's, and, and it's, you, you talk it's about not— about your own conviction on it. Yeah, it is that. my conviction, yeah. um, but it does yeah. still go back to there's evil and there's good. I agree. And I just don't think we as Christians should step our toe into that and participate in that in any way. And I don't think a child dressing up, going again candy, is participating in that. I'm just saying we need to know what the history is, how it started, and it does, does still continue today, and it's very large. So do we want to associate with that? And I personally do not want to associate with that. And I want to keep it as good as I can in my home to have that one-on-one relationship with God that isn't muddied by anything. And I'm curious, and, and we won't, we obviously won't go far into this since it's not the topic, but would you apply 
the same principles that you've applied for Halloween with other holidays? Absolutely. Christmas absolutely. And Easter we didn't do Santa Claus either. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to ruin everybody's day. <laughs> no, well, I. You know, but, but but Christmas is on the table because of Jesus' yeah, birth. It's just well, it not all is. I mean, to me personally, and I could be totally wrong, but it seems like everything that God created that was good, Satan created a counterfeit. So you've got Christmas, the birth of Christ, and then we throw in the man in the red suit. You've got Easter, his death and resurrection, and we have yeah, the yeah. God of Euphrates, you know, and fertilization and eggs. I mean, you t- it's like everything that God intended for us to live a good and wonderful, clean life originally intended to be paradise. It's like Satan came in with a counterfeit. We're in this world, but we're not supposed to be of it. We're supposed to be an example. And I think trying to conform to what the world does and putting a bow on it isn't what God intended. I think we're supposed to love everybody. I think we're supposed to be, you know, considerate of their, you know, their beliefs and their views and what they want to do for their family. But I think as Christians, we need to be set apart. We don't need to blend in so much that we look like the world. And I think that's what we're getting to. We're, you know, everything's good. We, we, we are supposed to be good in a world, but we're also supposed to be the salt. So maybe somebody would look at us and go, why are you just a little bit different? Well, let me tell you about that. How would that play out then if someone who doesn't share your faith, maybe they're not even a spiritual person at all, and to them it's just like, they hear you don't celebrate Halloween, they're legit like, what? How would that conversation play out? Well, it has to be presented in love. And my neighbor was the one who actually shared with me when I had bought Halloween costumes for my children. And she shared with me what Halloween was all about. And I was like, what? I think we followed through with that Halloween that year. (laughs) They were really little. Um, But after that, I didn't celebrate anymore after I started reading about it. So you have to share it in love. It isn't something you go out and tell people. I think it's something that if they see that you're different, they'll ask you about. Do you have any other scriptural references? The other one is Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind and by the testing that you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Yeah. How do you see, like, because, you know, Jack, you and I go back, I, I know your heart and you, you would not be big into conforming to the world in a way that Paul says not to. Do you not see this as conforming to the world? Well, my kind of thing is uh, you pick what's important. Different things are going to be different, important to different people. You know, my view is that to me, it's, it doesn't seem important, at least for me. At the same time, I realize I don't have all the answers. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not challenging your convictions on it by any means. But see, I think that one of the ways that if we're, if we're seeking to reflect Christ, we're all going to reflect him in different ways because he made us differently. So, Cheryl's going to choose some things that I wouldn't. I'm going to choose some things that Cheryl wouldn't. And that's part of what it means to authentically model Christ in our world. Yep. Taking the same context of the discussion, would you apply to scary movies like The Exorcist? Okay. I mean, my my whole thing there is what's your motive, you know? And so, or like there would probably be widespread agreement in the Christian church that uh, watching pornographic movies is not a, a godly thing to do, right? Is you know does that relate in any way to scary movies? I I have no idea. I guess maybe it depends on the person. I don't know what's why are you watching this and what are you trying to get from it? If it's I just get this thrill when something really scary happens and I love to I I, I enjoy that. Well, I'm, 
I mean, okay. Uh, is there something else? I don't know. I don't have a very good answer because I don't. I'm not really a scary movie fan. But right, Cheryl, would would this resonate with you that there is when you see Christians celebrating Halloween and and watching movies like The Exorcist, would you see it as almost like a lightheartedness to death and darkness and evil? It's like, come on, guys, this is heavy, dark stuff. You can't be lighthearted about this. I think that. Wow. Um, scary movies, I don't watch them. We were taken to a scary movie when we were little kids by my grandma and my mom, and it was The Exorcist, believe it or not. So that that was a good, you know, throw you right in the deep end <laughs> at seven years old. Oh um, seven years old? Yeah. Wow. Again, I, I'm, my family dealt with the occult. And so, but when you've seen that and you see the way the world is and you realize there is really good and evil. I'm not going to give my time to that. And it does bother me if I see something on television that's really bad or, you know, accidentally see something on on a movie that's really bad that someone's watching. And it does stick with you and it's hard to get it out of your head. And I don't want my thoughts to be those thoughts. I want to think on the things that God told us to think on, anything that's good and pure. and, Mm -hmm. And I just don't want to put that in. I mean, the occult is real. And I just don't want to give it a foothold. Can you touch on just a, a little bit of the sort of background that you refer to as far as your family being involved in the occult? Was this? They weren't like the, the one. Aunt. The one aunt she she proclaimed to be a witch and could remove warts. They just now you get, say she proclaimed. I'm just curious. Do yeah. you do you think she was a witch? Or you I were, don't know. I but the thing was they were always intrigued with things that were not godly. Like mm. it was my grandma studied the. Bible, but she also studied Stephen King <laughs> very much. You know, two of the houses were haunted. You know, that's that's a whole nother story, but haunted to the point, you know, when they tell the story, I mean, it's very believable what they saw and what they believed they saw and what happened. But fast forward to my childhood, the second haunted house, after hearing all the stories about the other one, I was saved in a backyard Bible school for little kids at seven years old. So when they were still messing with that stuff and claiming that there was, you know, spirits in the house and that something was sitting on the bed and that the room would turn cold. They were all scared about it. I mean, it would happen at different times and, you know, the pillow would go across the bed or the kids would get pinched. When they went running back there this one particular day and I was with them and I was little um, and they went back running to the room and you could see the indent where it looked like someone was sitting on the bed. I just looked at them and I'm like, why don't you tell it to go in Jesus' name? That's out of the mouth of a child. They nearly ran over me in the hallway because <laughs> they were terrified. But yeah, they they messed with Ouija boards and they dabbled in the occult. And you're not supposed to do those things. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to get Jack on this one, Cheryl. Check okay. this out. All right. So Jack, <laughs> let's say that in a few years, you have these crazy people that say, you know what? We just respect the work of serial killers and we want to have a special day where we honor the serial killers. And so they have serial <laughs> <laughs> they have Serial Killer Day. And so I say, hey, Jack, you hear about Serial Killer Day. It's coming up on March the 22nd. You're like, yeah, let's, I, you know, I don't, I don't respect Marilyn Manson and, and Dahmer and all those guys, but it'd still be fun. Let's, let's think of some cool stuff to do with our kids for Serial Killer Day. Like maybe we can watch some murder movies or maybe we can dress up like them, or maybe we can even come up with a game where we're pretending to kill each other. I mean, you'd think I was crazy. <laughs> Especially if there's no candy at the other end. 
<laughs> Sarah, would you say that's a good example? Or that is it's, very it's kind of far-fetched. Joey, Joey, that is extreme. Boom. That's <laughs> <laughs> extreme. But Jack, I, I guess where I'm coming at is that's very clear because Serial Killer Day just came out and it's about something very specific. Is, is there, would you say there's a big disconnect or? Yeah, well, <laughs> yes, I would say there's a big yeah. disconnect. But if what Cheryl is saying that Halloween is built on an evil premise, there seems to be somewhat of a connection. It's just that so much time has gone by and we've built so many now, the only thing cultural I would, well, fun The only thing stuff. I would say is like, do you celebrate Christmas? I mean, that come that stems from a pagan holiday. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you like you can't ever repurpose anything. I mean, Pope who decided we're going to try to repurpose this and and turn it into a church holiday and and relate it to that. On that evening, our flock has something constructive to do. Why doesn't Halloween come from that? Actually, that's where the word comes from. You know, is it rooted in something that came before? Sure. And that in itself was 1400 years ago. So is is what our kids do related to that? I would say not. It's stuck around because little kids like to dress up and get candy. That's And I hear what you're saying about, yes, but there are people who take it seriously. I, I, I understand that, but I would say they're going to find an evening to do those things anyway. That's the one that they choose. I don't, I, I would still have to say, I don't think that's relevant to me. I'm not making a joke, Cheryl. Would it be a game changer if we had a scary slash spooky holiday where it was more lighthearted, black cats, goblins, and ghosts, and all of that, but... It was formed on its own behalf. There's no connections to your research says is is legit. Nobody's arguing that. But it's just basically a holiday in itself that people came up with in 1857. Just a fun little scary dealio. If there was no connection to anything in the past, would that be a little more acceptable? Scary. That's a fun word. I don't really think scary really needs to be introduced to children at all because... They're little, they're impressionable. I just don't think it does. I think some kids handle it better than others. There was a video that was released recently. The lady got in trouble for it too, but she put on that really long mask thing and went into a preschool. The little kids were all sitting around a little table like this eating their little snacks, and she decided she'd go up and just scare them. (laughs) Well, I mean, these kids were shaking and trembling. So there's something in us that doesn't want to be around that. And especially as impressionable as a child is, I mean, you can, like I said, you can take a pig and you can put a little frilly tutu on it and put makeup on it. It's still a pig. These kids actually felt fear, and that woman was fired from her job. I just don't think that's something we need to be teaching our children. I think we need to teach them to be good and to be kind. And sure, any kid's going to love a holiday where you can get a great big grocery bag and go get free candy from everybody. But I mean, there's ways to give good gifts to your children that we don't have to participate in fear, horror, seances, bonfires, or anything that has to do with the occult. There's plenty of things we could do other than that. And I I mean, I would hate to take the Super Bowl away from you, or Halloween is a great holiday for you, Jack. I would hate to take- Jack dresses up still. I know. I would hate to take either (laughs) of those away from you, and I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't push what I'm saying on you. All I'm saying is know your history, check yourself. If we're really in the Word, I think a lot of times people want to assume something's good. Now, Jack's very well-versed, okay, and he, he knows what the Word says. But there's a lot of us, and I'm guilty of it as well, 
Do we really know what the Word says on these things? And if we really did, would we still do them? I really think that's it. You can't go off of what Jack says. You can't go off of what Cheryl says. You can't go off of what Joey says. Go in and find out for yourself. And if you still want to celebrate it after you read God's Word, you know, you're digging in there and you're learning all you can, then go for it. But if you read the Word and you feel the way I do, convicted— then don't do it. Yeah, I will say as as a 45-year-old, this kind of, you know, Halloween, these sorts of things don't really bother me. But I will say that I sometimes scratch my head, not in a judgmental way, but when I pass someone's yard and, I mean, they've gone all out. They've got decapitated bodies. They've got a, a body hanging from a tree. <laughs> and, and I'm like, you just spent hours yeah. <laughs> making the most horrible like scary scene. Like it just seems really weird. I kind of shake my head like, wow, you spent a lot of time on that. <laughs> Jack, do you have something you wanted to respond to what she was saying? No, no, I think she's right. I mean, I think that's exactly the the issue. It's like in everything we do, we're to do for the glory of God, right? And we should be growing in our understanding of what it is that pleases God and what living for Him looks like. And people are going to arrive at different conclusions on a whole range of different things. You know, I think the way we look at it at Seacoast is the way we talk about it is unity and essentials and freedom and non-essentials. You know, there there are mostly non-essentials out there. And the irony to me of the way that the church sometimes functions is that we get obsessed with a couple of non-essentials. Mm-hmm. I agree with Jack. And, and again, when those kids come to my house and my neighborhood, I don't want to be the lady that didn't celebrate Halloween. I want to give them the biggest candy bar, and I want them to say, who's she? She loves everybody. The bottom line is, whatever you do, do it in love, and throw that big net out there. Well, I will say, I mean, your your, your daughter's probably going to say, Mom, you held back, but re- <laughs> regardless, I'll say I really do appreciate and respect your posture with this, because very naturally do not come across as I'm smarter and everybody else needs to catch up. Like no. It literally is a personal conviction you feel strongly about. And I love how you've shared. I love these kind of conversations just because but like we should try to learn from each other for sure. Iron sharpens iron. You know? Yeah. I want to say I appreciate both of you and I've enjoyed this very much. And again, Seacoast, there's no condemnation. All need to come. And we are going to learn and they are the little things. You know, it's not the biggies. The biggies is that we love God and love people. And part of loving people is respecting them, you know, and and Eventually, if they, even if they don't figure it out, it doesn't matter because God says there is therefore no condemnation, and He still loves us anyway. The Sunday, so th- this episode will come out uh, Halloween, and uh, the the Sunday before Halloween, October thirtieth, Pastor Greg walks out there and he's dressed up like Rambo, and he says, "Happy Halloween, everybody!" Are you like this? Can't be my church anymore. Celebrating <laughs> Halloween. It was Pastor Greg, so we all just laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell y'all a little little tribute to my to my uncle who passed away a couple of summers ago. He's four years younger than my dad. They were trick or treating, and basically this sweet, you know, so this is probably in the gosh, it would have been in the early mid fifties. This lady answers the door, and she's like, "Oh, you boys are just so adorable. You guys take as much as you want." So my dad, he's probably eight. My uncle's four. My dad, you know, grabs a couple of pieces. My uncle, he, I mean, he takes the tip of his hand all the way to his elbow and just rakes every single bit of the candy into his bag. He's like, "Just said, take all that you want." <laughs> I've always loved that story. That my dad shared. Thanks for listening. There's a link in the show notes to our podcast Facebook page where we talk about these episodes and share some behind the scenes information, including guests we're booking. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. 